Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. After some midweek madness in the Premier League, attention now turns to this weekend where there are nine top flight fixtures across Saturday and Sunday. You're in the right place for previews of all of those games featuring the thoughts of those who have played in the Premier League themselves. Welcome to The Dugout, where on today's show we look ahead to Ralph Rangnick's first game in charge of Manchester United, a London derby to lick your lips over as West Ham hosts Chelsea, and Newcastle United's latest six-pointer as they face Burnley in a real battle to beat the drop. All of that, plus the endeavours of title chasers Liverpool and Manchester City, sewn up on your daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. My name's Niall McCorn and joining me on the podcast this week, we have former Leicester City, Brighton and Southampton midfielder Dean Hammond. How's it going, Dean? I'm very well now. Very well, mate. Good to see you again. Good to see you. It's a double Dean Hammond derby this week. We've had Leicester versus <laughs> Southampton midweek and now Southampton against Brighton this weekend. I keep getting told that. I keep getting reminded of that. Yeah, it does. Uh, very fortunate to obviously be part of those teams and um, yeah, covered the game last night for Southampton v Leicester, which is a decent game, actually. Really, really good game. Two very good teams. So yeah, enjoyed that one. Does it make it hard to, uh, to nail any colours to any particular mast? when you've got all of these teams that used to play for playing against each other at the same time depends who I'm working for now when I leave but no obviously I, think, um, uh, no, I had the privilege of playing for, for all those clubs at different stages of my career different stages of um, the club's um, history as well so um, no privilege to play for them but yeah probably oh, difficult to say you can't ask me this mate but I'd probably have to say last <laughs> night uh, I'd probably lean a little bit towards Southampton put it that way yeah, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. You can be nice and neutral on this podcast. Don't worry about that. Uh, and joining Dean, a warm welcome back to the podcast for Matt Jarvis, former West Ham Wolves and Norwich winger. Hello, Jarvo. How are we? Very good, mate. Christmas fast approaching. I know you've got a couple of youngsters. Have you managed to get any Christmas shopping done amongst all these games? I have to say, if, if my wife was listening, um, it's all been down to her, unfortunately. I've maybe got one or two, but she's done the bulk of it. So, uh, so yeah, maybe I need to start shopping a bit for her. 
<laughs> Mate, I wouldn't bother to kick your feet up and watch the games. There's loads of them between now and the new year, uh, including nine this weekend across Saturday and Sunday. There is a game on Monday, Everton against Brentford, I think it is. But we'll talk about that one on next week's suite of podcasts. For now, we need to look ahead to the weekend's games. And where better to start than at the London Stadium, the home of one of Jarvo's former clubs, West Ham United. And they welcome the current league leaders, Chelsea to their own turf Saturday 12.30 kickoff. We'll start with you Dean and we'll ask about Chelsea because they haven't looked at their 100% best I'd say in the last couple of games against Manchester United and Watford as well uh, in the last week or so but West Ham I mean it's not an easy test to face West Ham at the moment is it despite the fact they haven't been in top form themselves in the last three games. No, I think it would definitely be another test for Chelsea. Um, I think it's a sign of a, a really good team, though, and a top team that they haven't been at their best, and they've still picked up four points. Um, disappointment against United, probably, because they dominated that game, but a little bit fortunate, um, you'd have to say, against Watford. Watford played very, very well, but still got the three points. Um, I think Ben Chilwell's been a miss over the last couple of games. I think he's been really influential, the way him and... Uh, Rhys James have been playing it as wing-backs, really attacking flat, both scoring goals, both creating things, um, getting assists. So he's been really, really important. I think he's been a miss. Um, but they're a top team. You know, they're, they're a team that, and we've gone through the stats before, defensively, they're fantastic. You know, they, they, the amount of clean sheets they've kept. Um, still got Lukaku to come back um, at some point. Um, so they've got top quality players. And I think Tuchel... He came out and done an interview and wasn't too impressed and said they were fortunate. But I think that's just to keep the players on their toes, to be honest, um, to keep them you know, stimulated, to keep them motivated. Because I, I think he's fully aware that to win the title this season, to win the Premier League, you know, it's going to take a massive, massive effort um, because Man City are playing so well and Liverpool are playing so well. But West Ham having a brilliant season. So it's going to be a, a tough game for Chelsea. And you can see from West Ham when they... They beat Liverpool at home 3-2. Um, they're a real threat. They've got a real attacking threat. So I'm looking forward to this game. I think it'll be a very, very interesting game. Yeah, Chelsea top of the table at the moment by just a point. But you're right, West Ham still in the top four. Before we come on to the Hammers, Java, I wanted to pick up on something Dean just said there about Chilwell and Rhys James has been brilliant as well. I think Chelsea have got more goals from defenders than any other team in the Premier League this season. What's your take as someone who used to play out wide on this modern wing-back development? Because it almost seems as if, you know, wing-backs are in vogue. It's the way to go now. What's your take on it all? I certainly wish I wasn't a wing-back because I have to do a hell of a lot of running. (laughs) You were pretty good at running, though. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to get back as much as they have to, that's for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure. Did you not used to be a cross-country champ or something? I can't be having you talking about not getting up and down. No, okay, that, that is true. But... (laughs) <laughs> I, I just, it, you know, wing wing backs. The, the the they're so I say lucky in the sense that because they've got the system, they've got the flexibility of you know they've got Kante in there, Jorginho in there that can hold the fort and then can bomb on. But they've been outstanding. They really have. Um, I think it's just been a revelation to the way that they've sort of played as wing backs because they're not always bombing around the outside. They're running down the middle. They're popping up like Chilwell's. Um, and Rhys James, they've been popping up in this like centre forward position. You know, it's just it's been bamboozling everyone what what they've been doing. It's it's been it's been great to watch. But um, you know, the other night Rhys James didn't play. Chilwell obviously didn't play, and they still were able to 
get the win. You look at the substitutes they had, or the people that went came into the squad from from the previous games. You know, Mount comes in. I mean, he's a, a fantastic player. You've got Ziyech coming off the bench. Lukaku's coming off the bench. You know, these players. That is why they've got such a a strong squad and and togetherness as a team. Which Tuchel, obviously, as as Dean said, is keeping them on their toes because they have got a real chance of of, of winning this league. Let's move on to West Ham then, Dean. And as you said, they're having a great season, but they haven't won in three. They would be disappointed with the fact they conceded to Brighton so late on. 89th minute in a 1-1 draw midweek. Neil Mope with a really good overhead kick, it has to be said. But they're still fourth. I mean, how realistic is Champions League? To be fourth still after not winning in a few weeks must give them some encouragement that they can cling on to those places now because we're approaching the halfway point and they're still up and in amongst it. I think it's really realistic for, for West Ham. Um, they're progressing. I think they're developing as a team. Finished sixth last season, I believe. So... Now in the full position, um, very capable. Like you say, since beating Liverpool, um, they've lost and drawn, I think, um, and not picked up the result. They'd be disappointed with the result last night, I think. You know, to be 1-0 up at home, I think Mopo scored in the 88th minute, something like that. But um, the attacking players that West Ham have is exceptional and they're exciting to watch. Dipper form potentially, Antonio's not scored in five or six um, and they're quite reliant on him. Um, but I think January could be important for West Ham. You know, they've, they've got new investment in the club. Will they spend a bit of money? You saw the impact of Jesse Lingard last season when he came into the team and the effect that had on the players, the effect it had on the team, and, and they really moved up the league. So it'll be very interesting to see what West Ham do. Will they invest in January when because they're in such a, a strong position? Um, and I think they've got an interesting December as well. The fixtures are, are reasonably favourable for them and they can pick up a lot of points. And if they do that, going into the new year, going into January, like I just mentioned, in a strong position, I think they'll fancy themselves. But it's really tight. You've got, you know, Arsenal were a better team this season. Tottenham now have got a very, very top manager. Um, Leicester are improving. Man United, a new manager. So it's going to be really, really tight. But I think, yeah, they're very, very capable of achieving that fourth position. I think it's a great point you make about January because I always say about teams that you don't expect to be up and around the top four or even in positions that maybe you don't expect them to be in, that you've got to strike while the iron's hot. You know, you think about sides like West Ham, who aren't traditionally, Javo, supposed to be in the Champions League spots. And some might say they aren't traditionally supposed to be in Europe. At the moment, they've got a really good vibe around the club, a good squad with decent players, and they're playing well. It's almost as if you kind of need to capture that lightning in the bottle and, and make the most of the of the way that they're playing at the moment because we know what the Premier League's like. It's brutal. Next season, they might be in a relegation scrap again. Sometimes it's hard to predict. So you kind of have to, as I say, strike while the iron's hot and, and maybe capitalise on the momentum that they've got definitely definitely they, they've the, the thing that I've been really impressed with this season um, especially is just the way that the team's been going about it I think David Moyes has to take so much praise for the way he sets about his team uh, the structure of the team they're they're solid as a, as a unit but they've got that attacking threat of Antonio they've got Bowen's been outstanding for them uh, ben Rama's taken his opportunity in the Lingard role and Fornells as well. So they're, they're, that sort of front four has been exceptional and they've always got the threat of a set piece because delivery from Cresswell has been is, is really good. So they've always got that that way of winning if necessary. And you get, they're going into games that you possibly think, oh, they they could they couldn't um, they could drop points in here and they've been winning. And all of them have been riding that wave of playing really good football, enjoying the 
sort of team camaraderie. It looks like everyone's celebrating every single goal. But the last few results, you can just see like it was just a little dip in, you know, maybe players' performances have not been at the eights and nines that they've had been. They're down to a seven. And they just, you know, Man City, obviously difficult game. And then um, <clears throat> uh, Brighton, you know, they would be looking at that game thinking, yeah, we, we need to win this one to get back on track. But as Dean said, the more they've got quite a decent fixtures in, in December. So if they can keep picking up them points, you're looking into January with investments and uh, buying players because they haven't got the the big squad that needs to compete in the Europa League, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Europa League and to then challenge in the Premier League. But you'll be looking at players from other teams going, I quite fancy going to West Ham. And uh, and then you, you get that interest and people are thinking, yeah, I actually wouldn't mind going to West Ham because maybe before they were thinking, well, I'm not too sure. Now they'll be like, yeah, it's a great opportunity to go and either win a trophy or, or Europe or you know get into that Champions League spots. I think it's a good point you raise, especially when you mention about, you know, drawing late on with Brighton. For West Ham to now consider, you know, a 1-1 draw with Brighton has dropped points, I think shows how far that they've come. But it's a tough test for them, as it is for Chelsea in a London derby at the London Stadium this Saturday, 12.30. The Hammers take on the Blues. Time to talk Newcastle against Burnley now from one end of the table to the other. Newcastle and Burnley both struggling in the relegation zone. Newcastle more so than their Claret counterparts, though. This one kicks off Saturday, 3 o'clock at St. James's Park. This is match day two of a huge week for Newcastle, Dean. They couldn't see off Norwich. That was a 1-1 draw in their last game. The gap to safety is still six points, and there's three points between themselves and the sides above them. If they lose this game to Burnley... Just how difficult does survival then become for Eddie Howe and his players? Well, it definitely makes it harder because it's a, it's a game less. Um, and obviously, a fixture against Burnley is one that Eddie Howe would have identified thinking it's, it's, a, it's a win. We need to win, as he would have done of the Norwich game. But, you know, going down to 10 men after nine minutes, I think it was, is always going to make it difficult. But I think there's some positive from that. You know, Newcastle shows some real resilience. They show some togetherness. And almost won the game. Um, and that kind of galvanised the crowd as well. And it brought that togetherness between the players and the crowd. And, and Newcastle are going to need that at St James's Park, especially at St James's Park, because if they can get that atmosphere going, it's an intimidating place. So they need to win because the fixtures they've got in December, we just mentioned about West Ham, the fixtures for Newcastle are difficult. I think it's Manchester United, Man City, they've got uh, Everton, um, Leicester. It's tough. It's going to be really tough for them. And Everyone keeps talking about, you know, they're going to invest in January. They're going to bring these players in. They're one of the richest clubs, but... Might be too late by then. Exactly. Mm. And who are you going to bring in? It's probably going to be loan signings, potentially. Is it going to be players that you're going to have to pay a lot of money that if you get relegated, the money will stay the same and buy into the future of the club, buy into the, the vision of the football club. So I think it's difficult, but I think they've got a good manager in Eddie Howe. I really do. I think, you know... If they can't invest in January or can't get the players in, he's a good coach. So he's going to improve the players on the training ground. And one thing they have got is a goal scorer in Callum Wilson. So if they can keep him fit and he keeps scoring goals, you've got a chance because that's the hardest thing to do. But if we're looking at this game and isolating this game, I think as a Newcastle player, as Eddie Howe, you just think, should we just win a game? Because we haven't won a game this season. You know, isolate the game. Let's just go. Let's win a game. Uh, experience that feeling of winning a game, winning at home as well, get the crowd behind us and take it from there. I think you just got to get take it down to one game at a time and that this is so important. Do you know what? The circumstances around that Norwich game are really interesting to me because, you know, if I was Eddie Howe, I'd be thinking, 
man sent off after nine minutes. What do I need to do to get a, a slice of luck? If, if some of my lads are getting dismissed after less than 10 minutes. We hear a lot about dressing rooms and how the camaraderie is essential in a dressing room to be a successful team, but also, you know, holding mistakes to account and, and sort of making up for errors and putting the performances in. You think of a, a legendary captain like Roy Keane. I can't imagine someone like Roy Keane would have stood for a teammate getting sent off after nine minutes. So what do you think the feeling would have been in the Newcastle dressing room at half time at the end of the game, Jarvo, when, you know, you're looking around and you're thinking, right, we're bottom of the league. We haven't won a game. It's against, it's the biggest game of our season against the relegation rival in Norwich. And we're down to 10 men for 80 minutes. I mean, are you fuming at your teammates for that? Or are you just saying, come on, lads, let's muck in and stick together? Or is there going to be a blend of opinions in the dressing room, do you think? Definitely a blend. But I think... Um... First and foremost, they'll be they'll be fuming that he's been sent off after nine minutes. Fuming because you've got a game plan. Everything's been tactically done for the few days before. Everyone knows what they're doing and how they're going to play the game, and it's just gone in nine minutes. It's just gone. But on the flip side, <clears throat> they'll be going into that change room at the end of the game, going, "Do you know what? We've given everything there. We've stick together as a group for with ten men for 80, 80 minutes of this game, and we've done really well." We, we haven't won the game, but we were very close to, and we've defended for our lives. We've, you know, we've, we've really given it a good go and the crowd's on our side. And that, that's a, that's a huge thing as Dean said, a huge thing because it's, it's a, it's a great stadium, great fan base. And it is, it is intimidating to go there. So it was a, it was a statement of they've done really well to pick up the point with the 10 men, but you, you're going into this game thinking it is a must win game. You have to go and get three points, um, and there's always going to be pressure on you. And players, you know, you're looking at this game, going, "Yeah, we, we, yeah, we need to, we need to pick up points here." And it gets that, you know, it gets that right. We haven't won a game. We can get that one scratched off, and then then you can move on because it once it's it prolongs, and you're like, "Oh, we still haven't won a game." It's still in the back of your mind. You're still thinking, even when you're one 0 up, you're probably thinking, "We're going to concede soon." You know, it's it's something like that. If you can just get that gone. And then you're ready to go for the next one. And as soon as they get that one, they, they you just get that feeling that, right, we've done it. We can do it again. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, like Dean says, you know, if you can just get one under your belt, that's small steps and that's what you need. Just finally on this, I haven't asked you yet, Dean, but I know you've been sent off 10 minutes into a game before. You got sent off for Brighton against Oldham after 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> what was that like? What was the reaction to that like? I know you, I think you're on your way out of the club anyway at that point, but but what do you remember from that? Do you know what? No, it's um, it was my last my last ever game for Brighton. In that, um, I, I went back to Brighton on loan later in my career. Um, but I come through the youth team. I got sent off after um, ten minutes. Probably um, knew I was leaving the club. Terrible challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't I can't even try and defend myself. Did you win the game? We ended up drawing the game one all. Actually, we scored in the in the last minute. Um, so the players sort of saved me. <laughs> Um, but then afterwards, because of the celebrations from our manager, Dean Wilkins at the time and the players, um, John Sheridan was the older manager and he's a fiery character um, and he didn't like it at all. And he, I was in the dressing room, I was standing outside the dressing room and Oldham is really, really tight. You know, there's one way in, one way out. Dressing rooms are quite close. Um, and I'm standing outside having a conversation with Dean Wilkins, the manager, and it's just two of us. John Sheridan comes down with 20 of the Oldham players. And it kicks off and there's two of us. 
because the dressing room's so tight and the door's so tight, the Brighton, our players can't get out the door. They can hear what's going on. I took a couple on the chin. Like it was like, and I'm thinking, this is my last game for Brighton. This is, this could not have gone any worse. I was sent, after, sent off after 10 minutes. I've got chin by a couple of Oldham players. And now we've got a six hour journey on. This is but yeah, that's, um, yeah, more of that story. Don't get sent off after 10 minutes. <laughs> that's class. As soon as you mentioned John Sheridan, I thought it's only one way yeah. this story is going. Brilliant stuff. Well, hopefully we have a good game, if not equally as fiery between Newcastle and Burnley on Saturday at three o'clock. Manchester United have a new interim manager. Ralph Rangnick will take charge of the club until the end of the season before a new permanent manager will be introduced. Um, Rangnick will move into a consultancy role. Isn't going to be on the touchline against Arsenal. We're expecting him to be in the stands just to let everyone know we're recording this episode of The Dugout before the Manchester United against Arsenal game on Thursday night. They take on Crystal Palace on Sunday, though, after that Gunners fixture. And Rannick, it's expected to be his first game in charge as the new interim manager. As we say, Carrick in charge for the Arsenal game. He says, though, that his immediate aim, Jarvo, is to get the players to fulfil their potential. That's a direct quote from Rangnick. Is that something you think that maybe wasn't quite happening under Solskjaer? The ability to get the players to show their full potential? Um, to a degree, yes. I think that for me personally, what Solskjaer has done is he really has galvanised the club from where it was to what it is now. I think he's created a much better atmosphere in the change room, in the club, the, the way it's looked at. Um, he's got a really, really good squad of players that he's put together. I just feel that it just needed someone else to push them onto that next level, which is the idea behind Ralph. Um, and from his pedigree and what people say, it, it looks like it could be a good match. Um, but they have so many superstars in the making, really. Um, and it's just about trying to get them to perform as a, as a unit, really, together. Because I don't think we've seen a game where there's a 90 minutes performance of a, of a team. I think you, you've seen like 20 minute bursts where they've been exceptional. And then you've seen 20 minute bursts of them being really disorganized and defensively poor. And I think that's where the idea behind, you know, getting back to basics and letting players then fulfill their potential, I think is, is going to be, is going to be very much key, especially in this fixture. Cause I think Palace will be looking at this game going, we can go and get we can get something here. Yeah, I think you got a great point, and that's what I was going to ask you, Dean Palace, who lost late on midweek against Leeds, 90th minute penalty. They lost the game by a goal to nil. Not the first time this season they've conceded late on. It's a habit that Patrick Vieira will be keen to stamp out, I'm sure. But on the whole, they've been a match for many teams this season. They beat Manchester City. Do you think there will be eye in a Manchester United side still yet to hit some form this season, as Jarvo says? I think they're really fancy their chances. You've just mentioned the result when they went to Man City and beat Man City. Granted, Man City went down to 10 men, but they still had to beat them and put in a very good performance. And I've seen Crystal Palace a couple of times this season. Very, very good. Been really impressed. I, I must admit, I, I questioned the appointment of Patrick Vieira. I didn't know whether it would work out because, you know, he's still building his managerial career. As a player, he's fantastic. And Obviously, he's, he's got the respect to the players straight away. You know, the signings he made. Collar Gallagher is, is an exceptional player. Zaha looks like he's back to his best. Um, ben Teke looks like he's in form. Eduardo, they, they've signed from, from Celtic, has, has hit the ground running. So, and they've drawn seven games. So, if you look at the results, and even if you just, like you've mentioned there, Nar, the two, the, the game against Brighton, they conceded in the 90th minute plus. 
The game against Arsenal, they conceded 90 minutes plus. So that's potentially four more points. And I think they'd be up, you know, sixth, seventh in the league. And you'd be looking at that thinking, what a fantastic start. Not spent a lot of money. So I think they'll go to this and fancy their chances because Man United can see goals. That's That's been their real problem. It has. And you look at Crystal Palace players they've got attacking-wise. They've got lots of flair, lots of creativity. And they'll, they'll take this on. They'll be thinking, OK, no expectation, no pressure on us. We can go to Manchester United, kind of upset the party again with a new manager coming in and put a really good performance. So I'm sure they'll fancy their chances. Yeah, looking forward to this one at Old Trafford. Manchester United versus Crystal Palace, Sunday, 2pm. Still six more games to get stuck into. We'll do it next after this break here on The Dugout. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your daily Premier League show, The Dugout from Sports Social, looking ahead to the weekend's Premier League games. And now let's talk about one of Jarvo's old teams, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They take on Liverpool Saturday, three o'clock kickoff at Molyneux. And the meeting of two sides in excellent form, I think, uh, across the games this weekend. Liverpool, though, look absolutely phenomenal at the moment. They demolished their Merseyside rivals, Everton. Wolves, meanwhile, have been solid defensively, but struggling to score goals. And they drew 0-0 with Burnley in their midweek game. As good as your old team Wolves have been, Jarvo, do you think beating this Liverpool side in the form they're in is maybe slightly too much of a tall order for them? Yes. Um, unfortunately, yes. Uh, you know, Wolves have been playing... Well, results have been well um, for them recently. I wouldn't say performances have been, you know, amazing. I think they've been good. I don't feel like they've hit their full potential as yet under the manager. Um, but they, they've been picking up results, which is always you know a massive bonus. So going into this one, defensively, you're always going to have to be good. And, and that is what they have got uh, in their team at the moment. They, they are you know, doing well, but you just can't see anything else than a Liverpool win. They're just, they're so dominant. You know, that they've got goal scorers everywhere. Salah's playing the best football you've seen uh, for, from him. Um, Jota's flying. <laughs> Mane, yeah, their front three especially is is just fantastic, a joy to watch. And then you've got the rest of the team that, you know, they've they've made a couple of little changes, but everyone that comes in is just is just playing so well. They're so strong, um, so it will be a very difficult game for for Wolves to win. They'll they'll be trying their best to sort of soak up so much of the the pressure and try and hit them on the counter, depending if they're playing Traore. Um, and and they're just going to have to try and you know, batten down the hatches and 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 try and stop them scoring, which is is going to be a really difficult task. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the defensive side of things, but also at the other end of the pitch, it's scoring goals recently, which seems to have been a bit of an Achilles heel uh, for Wolves. You know, they, they've only scored twelve goals all season. If you compare that to the top sides like Liverpool, who have scored forty-three, it's it's chalk and cheese. Albeit Wolves are still in sixth place and and going really well with the results, like you mentioned. Why is it that they can't score, Jarvo? Because we've seen how Adama Traore can run at defenses and just bully them. Um, Jimenez is a great striker, but maybe since the injury hasn't quite been up to top speed. Huang Hee Chan looked decent at the start. They had loads of shots against Burnley, just couldn't score. Is there any particular reason for that? Do you think the penny will drop or, or do you think it's a, a little bit deeper than that? 
Um, I think for me personally, I think, you know, Treyra hasn't really been playing. He's only just got himself back in. You don't know whether that's um, contract related or or just not training. You know, for me, he has to play. Um, you know, you can't have a player like that and have him on the bench. Um, and I think Jimenez, I was actually at the game where he scored against Southampton and it was like two different players. He He was hardly in the game, wasn't really making the runs. He got his chance, scored a, a fantastic goal, showed strength, trickery and composure. And then he was like a different player. And it, it, it's just taken him a while to, for obvious reasons, you know, to get himself back into that sort of form. And then once he scored that goal, you thought, yeah. And he kicked on, he had a few more goals. And it's just, it's difficult. If you haven't got that creativity in, in the squad, uh, in that starting eleven, and you're coming up against teams that, you know, they're not quite creating that many chances. When you get that one chance, you're trying to take it and maybe it's a bit more difficult. You're trying to snatch at it. But I just feel like that team at the moment, they, they're they reliant on Jimenez to score. And if he doesn't score, then the rest of the team hasn't really chipped in with that many goals to to actually help. You know, it's a lot of pressure then to, to fall on your main striker. And, and it's just... It's, it's difficult for for him to do it every single game. Wolves against Liverpool Saturday, three o'clock. Manchester City will be watching that one with keen interest uh, as their game kicks off slightly later, 5.30 on Saturday. Both Liverpool and Man City firmly in this season's title race. They have a trip to Vicarage Road to play Watford, uh, a place where their cross-city rivals United were hammered a couple of weeks ago. Um, doesn't feel like that will be the case this time around, though, Dean, with Manchester City coming to town. Pep Guardiola called his fitness issues an emergency midweek, yet City still beat Villa. They scored two very good goals. Villa did come back into it, but particularly that Bernardo volley, which was just absolutely outstanding. They did get the three points in a manner in which many suggested was the sign of a title-winning team. Is that something you agree with? Because Pep mentioned the fitness problems and the selection issues. Villa came back into it and put some pressure on right towards the end, but they still managed to hold out and get get the win. So do you think that that showed the hallmarks of a side that could easily defend their title this year? I think they have that anyway. No, I think it's a bit of kidology from, from Pep, to be honest. I think it's a good result. It really is, you know, with the impact that Steven Gerrard's had at Aston Villa. Um, but you look, you know, he's talking about emergencies and injuries, but you look at the team that played. You had Mares play last night, Sterling, Bernard Silva, uh, Jesus. Um, there wasn't, you know, they've still got huge quality. Grealish was on the bench, Foden was on the bench. Yes, they have players missing, but it's just showing and identifies how strong their squad is. And they need that because they're in the Champions League. They're fighting for every trophy. So if, I think it's, you know, they showed it every week. Their performance, I watched the game against PSG and I was so impressed with their work off the ball. I think, you know, the way they pressed PSG was was fantastic. Then the result against West Ham in really hard conditions. You know, they they, they won that game as well. Um, so they're picking up results, which is really, really important. But we know they're a fantastic team with fantastic individuals and they'll want to... They want to win the title again. And they know, like we mentioned, Chelsea, they're up against it because Chelsea are a brilliant team. Liverpool are a brilliant team. So I think every manager is very wary of that and just try to protect themselves a little bit and just kind of say, well, not put excuses there, but put reasons why they may not get a result or they may not be top of the league. But I think this is this will be one of the best Premier League seasons. I really, really do. But Man City are, are so adaptable. Uh, they really are with the players they have. I 
I think it was just a, another good result. And yeah, that goal from from Silva was fantastic. Yeah, unbelievable volley for me. Goal of the of the week. It's just remarkable the technique with the ball coming across his body and then to just hit it so true side foot and keep it under the crossbar with enough pace to beat the keeper. It's just a remarkable finish. I think it's an interesting one because it's almost like a Mexican standoff, Dean, isn't it, really? It's who's going to blink first. Is it Chelsea? Is it Liverpool? Is it Man City? And whoever loses ground is going to have to work doubly hard to make it back up again because everyone's just looking so good. They are. They're looking brilliant, those three. And I think that that is the title race. And I think potentially this season it could come down to results against each other. You know, who's going to be the best? Who's going to pick points from each other? I think they're demonstrating against most other teams in the league they're going to win. Um, I think Liverpool look a powerhouse at the moment, but we've spoken before the struggles they may have in January with, with losing players, um, and it will see how their their squad is, is affected. Um, it depends how deep the, the clubs go in the Champions League as well. I think that can have an effect on it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think it, it could chop and change. It really, really could. You know, what is there? Two points between um, the three teams. They're all scoring goals. They're looking strong. So. Yeah, I think it will be the games against each other may dictate where this title race goes this season. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Watford against Manchester City, 5.30pm kickoff on Saturday. Aston Villa against Leicester is the next game we're going to talk about. Sunday, 4.30. Villa tasting their first defeat under Gerrard against Man City, as we mentioned just there. Do you think that will dent their confidence too much, Jarvo? There's no shame in losing to City, as, as we say. They're one of the best teams in Europe. No, I don't think it will dent any uh, confidence or anything to in in the sense at all. I think they can take a lot from that Man City game and be like, Do you know, what? we gave it a really good go. We've put in performance. We clawed ourselves back into the game. We we pushed them right until the ninetieth minute, and I I think they can take a lot more positives than um, than thinking, oh, we've been beat. I think Gerard's gone in. Yeah, as we said about. Uh, uh, Conte and 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 um, other managers that you've got that presence of, of the area. You've got that presence when you walk into a change room when he's taken over, and everyone's got so much respect for him. So he's galvanised the club straight away just through that, and you can see that his managerial abilities of tweaking the the lineup as well. Uh, he, he looks like it's a really good appointment. So I think this this is another a tough game for him because Leicester are just starting to come back into a bit of form, but I think he. Um, I think he studies the way that the, the teams play well. So even in the short spell you've seen him in, in the Premier League, he just he just picks the right players for the system and, and just tweaks small little bits that um, that could affect, especially against the Leicester side. The games midweek in the Premier League in the UK and Ireland in particular have been streamed on Amazon Prime, which I've really enjoyed because I shouldn't say this as a commentator. I've said it already this week on the podcast, but you can actually turn the commentary off, which (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't endorse being a commentator myself, but I do like to do it sometimes. And I did it for the for the Villa game against Man City. And you've both played against Stevie G, so you know how good he was. But what I found really interesting was when you turn the commentary off and you can only hear the crowd effects, I could hear Stevie G just just shouting all the time, uh, whether that's talking to his coaching staff, talking to the ref, talking to the opposing dugout. Was that something you noticed when you played against him, Dean, the, the vocal element of it? You've spoken about his quality on the podcast in recent weeks, but in terms of his leadership and his mannerisms and stuff like that, was that something that was evident as well when you played against him? Yeah, 100%. You know, he, he led as a, as a captain, he led as a player, you know, as an example. Um, when he played and, you know, his communication skills, he's demanding, really demanding, demanding of his players, players around him. He's a winner. You can see from when he's gone into Aston Villa, the the passion he celebrates with, you know, when they score, it's fantastic. And you'd want to play for him. You know, as a player, you'd look at him and think like, 
I want to play for Steven Gerrard. You know, I'll run through a wall for him. And what do you get, like that Matt's mentioned, you'll get that instant respect and you'll listen to him. Um, and I think that's really, really important. But yeah, he's, he's, he's passionate. And, and I think that just rubs off on the players. And it, it'll be like that in training as well. So if he's like that in training, the standard will step up. Players will improve. Um, they'll listen to his instructions. Matt mentioned again, you know, we tweak certain things and, and you'll believe in it. And with those first two results, um, that only enhances that because if, when you're winning games, you just you just buy into and believe what a manager says. But yeah, Steven Gerrard was a leader from from every angle, I think. What can you say about Steven Gerrard? Like he, he's been he's been a, a legend of the game and he's really now coming into um management and, and he's he's only done he's only done good things so far. So you can't you can't really uh can't really say anything negative about him he he's a leader on the pitch and uh, you know as Dean said what um, that enthusiasm for the game you know, never goes away and uh, and as players you can only thrive off it and it, it would be great I bet I bet um, if he joins in training I still reckon he's probably the best player I would be going <laughs> in for a 50-50 with Stevie G <laughs> not if I wanted to play at the weekend that's for sure um, he comes up against one of his former managers incidentally you mentioned he started his career in management in recent years Brendan Rodgers used to be his gaffer at Liverpool some years back he's obviously now the boss of Leicester I mean, Leicester conceded soft goals against Southampton midweek, in my opinion, Dean. You were at St. Mary's for that game between Saints and the Foxes. Seems to be happening a lot lately for Brendan Rodgers' side. Would they see that as points drop midweek, only drawing 2-2? Would that be fair to say? I think it's a big issue. I think it's been happening um, too regular for it not to be an issue. Um, What the problem is, I'm not sure. Um, Previously, I thought it may be that, you know, the absence of Johnny Evans, but Johnny Evans has come back now. Um, there just seems to be a bit of a problem. But if you look at the goals last night, Southampton were pretty clever. They tried a couple of different things from set pieces. You know, James Broad-Prowse didn't just curl it in or swing it in. Um, they played shorter a couple of times. So it caused some, some confusion. Um, but there is a, a problem, you know, defending set pieces. Um, I'm not sure what that is. They haven't got that dominant presence, really. No one that really wants to go and really attack the ball and take that responsibility. Um, I kind of watch it off you know, off camera, I'm looking at the players, there's no real communication between the players demanding or, you know, that we need to defend this set piece. So I think Southampton were clever. And last night, Southampton were excellent first half. They really, really were. They played with high energy, pressed Leicester and didn't allow Leicester to settle. But second half, Leicester were very, very good. Back to back to their best, really. Um, probably, if you look on it, should have won the game. You know, with Harvey Barnes' chance, brilliant save by McCarthy. Jamie Vardy going through one-on-one and blazed it over the top, which is not like him. And and then at the end, the save from, from Perez on, on the counter-attack. So I think they would look at it and as a yeah two-point drop. And it was interesting. Brendan Rodgers, for the first time, I think he's just looking, starting to look a little bit frustrated. Now, I don't know whether that's with the players, with the situation. I'm not too sure. Um, never really see him criticise or dig any players out. But again, I was watching him and... I think it was indeed his second half had a strike of his left foot and completely got it wrong and, and Brendan called him out, which you don't you don't often see. So look, they, they miss Tillemans, they really do. He's the heartbeat of the team and he dictates everything. Um but they have got a quality squad and they're still the league's so tight. Um but I think if you if you ask me what they're looking for this season, I think they're looking for you know, to be successful in Europe and they've got a good chance of doing that. Yeah, definitely. And the table is pretty tight and there's still 
loads of games left in the campaign. There's nothing to say that Leicester, with the quality they've got, couldn't put a run together and, and end up in the European places again. Come the end of the campaign, I'm looking forward to this one. Aston Villa against Leicester. I'll be actually at this game. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Steven Gerrard and Brendan Rodgers unfolds in the dugout there. Time for another break. And afterwards, the final three Premier League fixtures we'll look ahead to. We'll cover them off next here on The Dugout. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to the podcast. This is The Dugout. My name's Niall. I've got Dean Hammond and Matt Jarvis alongside me, two former Premier League players, and there's three Premier League games still yet to talk about on today's preview show. And we'll start this section by looking at Spurs against Norwich, two o'clock kickoff on Sunday. From a Spurs perspective, Antonio Conte says that the project is maybe slightly more difficult than he thought it would be. They're five points off the Champions League, Jarvo. Just how far off the top four are they in terms of performance levels, do you think? I think at the moment they're a bit of a a way off. Uh, I think Conte coming out and saying that just sort of shows that he... I think he's given himself a little bit of a breathing room. You know, he's he's basically given himself like a few months to be able to settle down into his role as the, as the manager and sort his squad out and hopefully get some some people in and out out in January. But it's going to be difficult. I think everyone just thought he's going to come in and then Spurs are just going to be flying again. It's just not as simple as that. And you know the the way that he wants to play and he's very specific in his his role um, and his shape and and you can see his passion. I think like we said about Gerard and Vieira. He gets that instant, you know, respect, and and you can feel the energy of him. You know, if if you're just even watching from the side, you can see him shouting and screaming, and he's running up and down. He's celebrating everything. That's a great bit of passion that he shows. But I think for him coming out and saying that just shows how how much that he thinks that the team need to improve, and 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 they do to get in that top four. That it's going to be a big big ask. This story came out a couple of weeks ago, but I thought I'd ask you anyway. Conte came in and banned ketchup. He banned mayo, all the good stuff. Um, how do players react to that sort of thing, Dean? I know it's only a small change, but how, how big a difference can it make? Everyone talks about fine margins in the elite game. <laughs> that would be a good example of that, getting rid of the mayo. Oh, no. does, does it make a huge difference? Oh, I'm not sure, really. I think it's more more the manager stamp, stamping his authority, if I'm honest, and kind of saying, right, who's going to buy into what I believe in? Who's coming with me? Um, I think it's almost more of a test, really. Uh, but I think if you talk about Conte, I think he's probably surprised that maybe the quality within the squad, and he'll be surprised at the fitness levels. I think he's mentioned that as well. The Tottenham players are probably not fit enough and not in the best condition to play the way he wants to play because he's very demanding. You know, you think of his Chelsea teams, they're... They were high-tempo, press teams, played with loads of energy. And I don't think Tottenham can play like that at the moment. They probably had it a little bit too easy for a couple of years. They've been really reliant on Harry Kane. And Harry Kane's not in the greatest form at the moment. So you can probably see why performances and results haven't been there. And he, he'll want a bit of time, but he's a winner. You know, he'll want to win straight away. He really will. And, you know, I think that was an important result they picked up against Leeds, winning 2-1. So... Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to come, but I think it's a big job for him. It really is. But yeah, banning the ketchup and, and the mayonnaise, uh, 
if if that's the way forward and that's your tactics, you know, I think there's a bit more work. Is, is it going to make Harry Kane score more goals? I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, it, it hasn't worked just yet. I mean, that loss to Mura in the Europa Conference League was a, a real damaging blow, but they've got a chance this weekend to put some momentum together against Norwich and their next two fixtures are looking reasonably favourable for them as well. That one kicks off two o'clock on Sunday. Southampton against Brighton, three o'clock on Saturday. Two teams that are known, Jarvo, for playing pretty decent football. Graham Potter and Ralph Hasenhurtl have both won some plaudits for the styles of play. What sort of a game are you expecting, do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the outcome of the, of this game. It's going to be whoever can can be clinical because they both pass the ball around really nicely. You know, they all try and play through the through the lines, um, and it's pretty to watch. Uh, but it's got to be like you've seen in many many games. You've got to be ruthless in front of goal, and you know, uh, you know, Mark Mope scoring that overhead kick is an exceptional finish. But you can't do that every week, and that's where. Both teams, I suppose, really, you, you're struggling to have that out and out goal score every week that you know you're going to get a re- reliable, um, you know, twenty goals a season. I think that's that's the struggle that both teams have because they do play good football and and defensively, Brighton haven't been too bad. You know, they they have conceded goals, but the the way that they play, you're, you're going to concede goals because it's passing out from the back and. You know, you know, the goalkeeper has a touch and he's out to the fullback to midfielder back out. It's 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 difficult to to do it all the time and not get caught out. Um, so I, it'll be a very interesting game tactically, I think, as well, because both teams will want to have the ball um, and uh, keep possession. And it's just going to be for me, it's just going to be about who can can score that vital goal. Uh, Graham Potter, he was absolutely fuming after the Leeds game, something I've never seen him like before Dean in his post-match interview very very frosty because a section and I must point out it was only a section of Brighton fans decided that they would boo their team recently after that goalless draw with Leeds what do you make of that because Potter said post-match that maybe he needs a bit of a history lesson in terms of the history of Brighton and Hove Albion now when you were coming through at Brighton getting into the championship would have been one of the key aims can you understand why the manager was frustrated after the booing? Completely, completely understand. And it was nice to see his frustration, to be honest. Um, I think, like you say, it's a small section. So it's not, you know, the, the supporters have really bought into what Graham Potter's trying to do. You know, the brand of football, um, the philosophy he's brought, he's brought to the football club. You know, they're sitting seventh in the, in the Premier League. Uh, they've been a victim probably of their own success and the way they started the season by winning all their games. And, they haven't won in eight, but they've only lost two. And I think they've drawn, sorry, they haven't won in nine. They've drawn seven of those as well. So I think the frustration is potentially the home form. That's been the question mark and the amount of goals they score. And to be booed off against Leeds is, you know, it's funny really because they've created or had 20 attempts at goals. It's not like the players are not trying. It's not like they're not creating opportunities, but they just don't have that instinctive, ruthless goal scorer. So, you know, Brighton are doing fantastic. And like you say, look, just remember where the, the clubs come from. We've been without... The, when I was there, we had no stadium, no training ground. The club has gone into administration. Now they're in the Premier League. They're, they're a, a, a healthy um, club. They've got their own training ground. They're developing their young players through the academy. So that's really healthy. So they're in a great place. They really are. But um, yeah, they, I think they're just a little bit of a victim of their own success. Um, but they've, they've started the season really, really well. And this game at the weekend will be interesting because it will be a game of a lot of chances, but I'm not sure there'll be too many goals. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, if someone said to you 20 years ago when you were an 18-year-old and you got thrown the shirt and said, here you go, Dean, chuck this on, you're making your debut for Brighton. If someone said to you that in 20 years' time, Brighton would be seventh in the Premier League and even in the top four at one stage of a season against teams like Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, etc., you wouldn't have believed it, surely, would you? No, not at all. No, I wouldn't have believed it because the, the club's had such struggle in trying to win the planning permission for the stadium, let alone get out of League One, let alone get out of the Champions Championship to get into to get into the Premier League. So they've done fantastic. They really, really have. But it's not only they're not only surviving in the Premier League. The club's progressing all the time. It really is. You know, the the training ground's fantastic. They've just redeveloped that again, so it's got even better. The stadium, they're getting full houses, like the, the, the brand of football they're playing. And um, they're, a, they're a well-run business now. If you look at the younger players they've got coming through, you know, Sanchez, the goalkeeper, they've just sold Ben White for, for £50 million. Basuma is, is worth a fortune now. You've got Lamptey, you've got Solly March. So they're a healthy club, a little bit like Leicester. They kind of have a transfer policy now and a transfer philosophy that's, that will allow the club never to get in that position again. So to be in seventh in the Premier League and doing what they're doing is is a fantastic achievement. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And although we should say fans do have the right to voice their opinion, you don't have to always agree with it. And in this case, I don't think any of us do. I mean, it shocked me that Brighton fans were, were booing their team. And I completely understand Graham Potter's frustrations. But his next test and his full focus will be on a trip to Southampton at three o'clock on Saturday. Final game we're going to look ahead towards on today's dugout takes place at Ellen Road. Leeds against Brentford, two o'clock start Sunday afternoon. Another big game for Leeds this one. They picked up a huge three points against Crystal Palace late on midweek with Newcastle facing Norwich and Burnley this week uh, I mean that win against Palace becomes even more important for the for Leeds United Jarvo and a win here will ease the pressure even further it's something that they'll be looking to capitalize on yeah they definitely will um, I think it's just for, for Leeds it's it's one of them that teams have just sort of realized what they're how they're playing and and the, the philosophy and tactically and I think that when Teams get it right. You see at the start of the season with Man United when they were, you know, did play well. Um, when you get left 1v1, you're going to get punished sometimes. And that's just the way that they set up. They leave, they, they, the way they play, they, they leave a lot of players going forward and it's man for man around the pitch. And to then when you're coming up against, the, uh, you know, quick and very productive strikers in front of goal, you're going to give goals away. And I think that's just what they've found out this season. But again, they've had injuries, and you know it, it's difficult to to emulate what you've done the previous year as well. Uh, so, I do I see them struggling this season. I just I don't see them being in near the bottom. I just don't think they will be. They will have as they won't be up above the mid season uh, mid table for me. I just think that the the way that they they play and until that all of their players are back and they're all running at full fitness, I just I don't see them having as as good a season as as they expected. Yeah, we've always said about Leeds on this show that they're almost greater than the sum of their parts. Like individually, if you go, you know, man for man in terms of quality, there aren't many squads in the league that would take too many of Leeds players. You know, Rafinha is good, Calvin Phillips is good. But aside from that, you know, it's almost take it or leave it. And that's not to denigrate the players themselves. I think it's just the kind of Marcelo Bielsa effect and, and him being able to pull all the strings and get them playing in a certain way. But injuries have had an impact on Leeds this season. And styles of play is something that we always talk about nowadays in modern football. And that's something that, that Brentford have implemented. And interesting. 
interestingly enough, Dean, you were talking about Brighton just a moment ago, but but Brentford are another example of a side and a club that have an ethos, an identity and a mantra running from top to bottom right throughout the football club. And it's enabled them to get promoted to the Premier League. It's something that no one really expected. And here we are, you know, we talk about Brighton in the Premier League, but Brentford as well. Unbelievable to think that, you know, they've got a new ground and they're a Premier League team now. It's not quite been as plain sailing in the last month or two than it was at the start when they picked up some really good results and made a bright beginning to the season. Do you think now, as the Christmas fixtures come, that they're just going to find out the hard way a little bit just how ruthless the Premier League can be? I'm not saying they're going to slide down the table or get into the relegation zone or anything like that, but I think it's these sorts of times of the year where you can realise just how tough this league is. Yeah, they'll they're experience that, and I think they have experienced that a little bit. Um, you know, they've been a brilliant addition to the Premier League. They really have, and another fantastic story of a club that you wouldn't expect to, to be in the Premier League. They've got a good stadium now. The way they run the club is is very different. I think their academy setup's even very different. They don't buy into the, the normal academy setup and kind of run it their own way. Um, so they've got their own their own ideas. Um, but they, they've surprised me, they have, because they've scored goals. And I think that's the hardest thing when you come into the Premier League is to is to score goals. And that's enabled them to, to win games. But if you look back at the last month or so, I think it's there's been a little bit of disappointment because of the fixtures and the results they picked up against the teams. You know, they lost to Burnley. Um, I think they drew with Norwich. They've drawn with, with Newcastle. And they may be some games that they might have expected to win and get better results. So that could have disheartened them a little bit. Um, but they reacted really, really well against Everton. And, and that was a big win. It really, really was. So I think Brentford are going to be OK this season. I really do. Um, but yeah, there, there, there will be some results as they go through the festive period when you're playing games um, and there's a quick turnaround. Can they rely on? Can they dip into their squad? I think that will be the biggest test for them. Will they do anything in January? I'm not too sure. Will they lose some players in January? Again, that will be interesting. Um, but I think they'll be OK this year. But yeah, the Premier League is is ruthless. But no, they've surprised me with the amount of goals they've scored because that's always the hardest thing to do in the Premier League. Leeds against Brentford Sunday 2 o'clock and that rounds up our Premier League preview show for today. Now, just before we go, lads, I'm going to open the biggest can of worms ever because earlier this week it was the Ballon d'Or and Lionel Messi won his seventh award, which puts him quite clear as the, as the player to win the most awards ever. Uh, who's the best player ever to play the game? Um, I think we can all agree Messi probably wasn't the best player over the last year but in terms of all time he's got to be up there if not the best ever Dean surely he's obviously 100% in the conversation and probably is the the best player of all time but I think Ronaldo's got to be within that as well um, players in the past you know <laughs> he's fence sitting already I know uh, I, I am fence sitting <laughs> because they're just unbelievable players but you know you look back you look Maradona I, I always it's always interesting are you a Maradona you, man then are you well you look back at the the, the the past of the game and, and you know, you've got Pele, you've got Maradona, but you look at the pitches they used to play on. The ball was heavier. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to play in them times because you could kick people two or three times before you even got a book in. So they had to be tougher. <laughs> you know, it was the game was, I suppose, more challenging, but oh, it's difficult to say there. I would, I'm a messy man over Ronaldo. I am. I think he's, you know, I would have him in my team over Ronaldo just because I'd love to watch him play and I'd love to be on his team because you just give him the ball. Um, I think Ronaldo is very effective with the goal he scores and everything. So who's the best player ever? There's so many players, but I think he's... I told you it was a can of worms. He <laughs> You've is, done very yeah. well to avoid that, he to be is, fair. He is 100% yeah. in, in the conversation. Um, 
But yeah. people, I mean, what a player. What a player. Yeah, seven Ballon d'Ors is a joke, isn't it? I mean, I know it's voted for by journalists and there's an element of bias to it. And I even tweeted saying, does anyone really care about the Ballon d'Or? I mean, I'm not too bothered that, that much these days, to be honest. But I think... Lionel Messi and probably Ronaldo will be as well and speaking of Ronaldo I'm not on about Cristiano I thought I heard you shout for R9 there the original Ronaldo Javo funny enough I I saw someone must have been tweeted uh, someone saying about you know you're forgetting about R9 like he he was exceptional and I think he was my favourite player watching football growing up he was just ridiculous I just he did things that no one else could do at that particular time you know he's the step over and and he used to how many times do you see him step over and go around the keeper and put it in and his strength and power but it's the longevity that's the bit that everyone sort of looks at with Ronaldo and Messi Um, that that's key and they've done it for you know 10 12 13 seasons um it's just incredible i don't think you're going to see two players like that in our lifetime again um and you know as as dean's a messi messi over ronaldo fan i'm a ronaldo over messi fan so we <laughs> want all that one. <laughs> there you go there's your fence now <laughs> that leads me to the casting vote and with that it's the end of the show i won't be making any comment and uh, join us next week on the dugout looking ahead to the weekend's premier league action of course fergal and co will be back on sunday to look back at the games that have taken place don't forget we are the only daily premier league podcast no other show out there will do that for you and deliver you shows on a daily basis so why not hit subscribe come and join us every single day it'll be great to have you with us if not for the rest of this year then into 2022 as well cheers dean thanks jarvo appreciate your company as ever that's it for today and we'll catch you next time the dugout premier league preview football social daily hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.